0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Coombe show on ESPN. Good to have you with us gang. Good to have you back. We are continuing our franchise Deep dives. This episode, taking a look at another intriguing team in the NFL, in my book anyway, a team that we just can't decide which way they're going to go, right on the wire, just like the Denver Broncos last week with Jeff Legall. If you haven't checked that out yet, go and deep dive into the vault. We're talking the Arizona Cardinals today. Josh Weinfurst from ESPN, dropping by shortly, uh, covers the Cardinals day in, day out, really keen to get into The Kyler Murray third-year trajectory. What's he saying about that? AJ Green and JJ Watt, are they done? Are they going to have bounce-back years? Two of the greats of their generation. What about the rest of this defense? Is that secondary something to be concerned about? All of these and more we're going to get into with Josh. I should point out, because we caught up with Josh a bit earlier, and like so many of us in the last 12, 15 months, multitasking. He's got his hands full with a little bub at home who was certainly making their presence felt on the pod as well. A little bit like you will remember when we chat with Carlson, Rufus <laughs> Carlson's dog. Every time we mentioned the jets likes to get involved with that's a bit of background noise on this one. Uh, give it a pass because Josh is insight is spot on and you will come away from the pod knowing a lot more about the Cardinals and maybe, maybe have made your mind up about what kind of season they are having in the toughest division in football. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the brilliant Josh Weinfuss. Josh, it's great to see you. Thanks very much indeed for uh, taking time and coming on. We're obviously going to talk all Cardinals. But before we get into that, I was looking at your Twitter feed, at Josh Weinfuss, if you want to follow Josh on Twitter. And you should, by the way. Uh, and I've noticed, because of the deep dive detective work that I was doing, we're both fans of Shit's Creek. The Great Shit's Creek, one of the best comedies of the last 20 years, no doubt about it. And you have discovered something that has got my mind racing. You're saying that for all the uh, fans out there, uh, fans of Shit's Creek out there, I'm sure you'll know what I'm talking about. If not, uh, uh, go and check it out first of all. But Moira and Johnny, two of the main characters in it, and a lot of the action is set around their hotel room. You've noticed something about it. Josh, tell us more. The conspiracy theory.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I've noticed that they're hotel room keep like the the layout of it keeps changing like there was one show where david and alexis walked in from the opposite way than it then they typically do and then mm-hmm. last night my wife and i were watching i think it was season three episode three i might be mistaken on that mm-hmm. and johnny rose was sitting at a table with his his closets and the sink but the direction of the camera should have been where the door was connecting his room and the children's room. Right. So I paused it. I looked at my wife. I'm like, that's not right. And she's like, no, it's not. So, I knew I wasn't going crazy, but like, <laughs> it, it's like the third time that's happened
0: where the room just doesn't look like it normally does. It's I'm going to go back and look at this because I figured Moira, maybe when I first read your tweet, I thought, okay, maybe he's missed, you know, Moira's tinkering, pottering, the premise of the of the series, if you haven't seen it, is uber wealthy New York family on their cups, they lose everything and they end up in a motel in the middle of nowhere. So, that, so maybe I was thinking Moira's... Re-jigging the room to kind of keep it, but no, that sounds like structural, fundamental, continuity issues. I'm yeah, gonna go back because, and watch it. Right,
1: because you, I mean, you have to have the door that connects the rooms. Right. So, like, I think at one point, like the rooms were switched because oh. you, it, I mean, in my head, so you walk into Johnny Moira's room, mm-hmm. you have the bed to your right, you have her wigs right to your left, and then yes, right next the to her wigs in her yeah. or her table is the connecting door. Right. So in theory, you would think that they have the last room in the motel. Yes. And the kids is right next to them. Next so door sometimes to- that's switch. Right. So sometimes like if you if that's the way it's like it looks. Sometimes they're going the opposite direction, so it's like the kids' room is the last room, and they're inside. So
0: I don't. Right. I wonder if My- there's got to be there's got to be a website somewhere that that's talks about this. Gotta- I'm sure our uh, listeners at the NC show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, let us know. Shit's Creek fans out, I'm sure you're right. Somebody is somebody has done a deep dive on this, but at the moment my head my head is spinning my world has been turned upside down josh to be to be quite honest so uh that is a hell of a way to stop but what a show and uh, yeah i would say along with i'm a big 30 rock fan as well i think 30 rock strangely underrated over here in the uk 30 rock but uh shits creek in terms of ensemble cast there is annie murphy's great Catherine o'hara i mean what the the the, the, the levy father and son combo i love the character yeah. actors as well the the bit part players they're all they're all on point as well so loving that loving that and you I think we'd get on well if we're both Shit's Creek fans um (laughs) but sadly we're not going to spend 20 minutes talking too bad hey there's a spin-off show right there it is the off season I mean come on we're we're scraping around for stories right now but we're not when it comes to a deep dive on the Cardinals there's a lot we want to talk about um I want to I guess I have to start with Kyler Murray because he is the 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 superstar on the side and that's actually you know a difficult thing when you've got deandre hopkins and now jj watt in the mix but he is certainly i think the player that is garnering the most attention going into this season talk us through josh last season because he came out flying and was in terrific shape for the first two thirds of the season then it all uh, went wrong what do you put that down to was it primarily injury was it more than that? talk us through his season last year yeah
1: so you were um you're 100 percent right i mean he started out he came out he was on fire out of the gates um and then week nine so the week after the bye week they played the miami dolphins and he suffered a shoulder injury and from that moment on he was different mm. and you know he re-injured it two weeks later in week 11 against the seahawks and when 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 he suffered that injury he he stopped doing what Kyler Murray does and that's just being kind of a, a completely dynamic mobile quarterback he was too worried about getting hurt more so if he really wasn't running which meant the offense became very one-dimensional which meant that Cliff Kingsbury really didn't do a good job of adapting the offense to that injury right he he did not basically revamp the offense to make it work within the confines of what Kyler Murray can do. Right. And, you know, w- what we saw was a team that really didn't have an identity that second half of the season. And it showed, you know, mm-hmm. they lost three, um, three in a row. They lost four out of five and they would have lost five in a row, but wasn't for the hail Mary from mm-hmm. Kyla Murray to, to DeAndre mm-hmm. Hopkins against the bills. And I think all that's because they just, they, they it's simple. They didn't adapt. Like look, Kingsbury mm-hmm. did not go and say, okay, what can he do? And what can we do as an offense within the limitations of Kyler Murray right now? And, you know, I think that they took that and went into the offseason and said, we need to find guys that we could adapt with into. That's A.J. Green. That's James Conner. I think those two guys are going to make a huge difference because if Kyler Murray gets hurt again, then they have the pieces to go and adapt and to go and to make changes on the fly. They have the personnel whether or not they had the coach to do it, I think is still the biggest question. Mm. And if we see a situation similar to last
0: year, I just don't know how much Cliff Kingsbury, how much longer Cliff Kingsbury is going to last there. Let's talk about that. Let's get to Kingsbury then, because he is one of those coaches inevitably, invariably every season, as we go into the season, there are X number of coaches on the hot seat, right? Kingsbury seems to be one of those coaches firmly on that. Is it because, I mean, it's interesting you talk about his strategic or tactical shortcomings you know mid mid-season outside of that is it difficult for him because the expectation was he's coming into the NFL Kyler Murray is going to be his franchise quarterback it's going to be fireworks and explosions and and I know that we saw elements of that particularly with the, the first part of the season with DeAndre coming in but is is that an issue for Kingsbury that the expectation levels were sky high that this was going to be a revolutionary offensive genius. And and he hasn't lived up to that.
1: Yes and no. I think, yes, the expectations were that high. Michael Bidwell, the team owner, went ahead and got him because he watched the Rams, a division rival, go to the Super Bowl. Was it 17 season? I think it was. Mm. He watched them go to the Super Bowl with a hot, young, offensive minded coach in Sean McVay. Well, the next year, they go and they hire Steve Wilkes, who's a defensive-minded coach, and they go 3-13 and 13 for mm-hmm. a variety of reasons that we don't have to get into today. So he's sitting there and saying, well, this team just did this with an offensive-minded coach. I'm going to go get my own version of that. Enter Cliff Kingsbury, 35-40 and 40 in college. Um, probably wasn't cut out to be an NFL head coach. Let's just be honest. No NFL coaching experience, but they like what he can do offensively. And he came in. And I will defend Kingsbury on this part. He came in with this air raid system. Mm. It wasn't a tr- true air raid system, right? It, w- it was his version of the air raid, which in college was very run heavy. But mm. when he came in, everyone expected the ball to be thrown all over the yard, them to put up 40 points a game. Well, when that didn't happen, everything started to close in on him year one. Well, you know, you kind of have to kind of, and it's, and when you bring in a new quarterback and a new coach, and the first year kind of has to be, watch right you just kind of say whatever happens happens you gotta go to the playoffs right exactly you get a pass year two though that's when everyone expected the big jump and they saw the first seven games they start five and two but they finished three and six and they lost the last two games to third string quarterbacks i think that's when people started to say is this guy a good coach can Mm. he coach in the nfl and i wrote after they lost to the, the rams in week 17 my story was Cliff Kingsbury needs to go to the playoffs in 2021, or he's going to be out of an NFL head coaching job. Because not not only did they, you know, go into a complete tailspin the end of last season, they're wasting Kyler Murray's rookie contract. If they don't go to the playoffs after this this coming season, that means you have three years of Kyler Murray wasted. You have two more years of him, but then is he going to want to stick around? You know, and if and you know if they fire Cliff Kingsbury. The new coach is is he gonna want Kyler Murray's quarterback? Is he gonna, you know, or is he gonna revamp everything while bring his own guy? There's so many things that are up in the air, but they need to win now. I think it's Clip Kingsbury to save his job.
0: Wow. I mean, so high stakes it, it, indeed, then and it is fascinating when you look at you make a great point about teams who end the season abjectly. It's in the same way that teams that have had a fairly abject season but end the season strongly it really affects our perception because there's just so long to be talking and ruminating and and focusing on that and and that definitely hasn't yeah. helped the optics in the slightest has it looking then at if that is the objective if it's playoff or or bust for for kingsbury certainly i'm interested in the Challenge of the division, which is amongst the strongest, if not the strongest, in the NFL. And drawing a parallel, looking at the AFC East, which will be stronger this year because the Patriots are going to be back. I think Uh, the Dolphins are obviously contenders now, where they haven't been. The Bills that had it easier last year than many other contending teams, conversely, and but they made the same kind of move. So they had a young quarterback in Josh Allen. They got him an elite receiver, and we saw the progression. With Alan, not solely because of Diggs, but certainly Diggs helped that progression. And it was a phenomenal year on year advancement. Do you think Kyler Murray and Hopkins are obviously hoping for the same thing? It didn't go in the end to, to plan in terms of that jump. But do you think this year that's the kind of progression they're going to want to see year on year with Murray? In particular and it, they need that given the toughness of the division to have a fighting chance that he's got to step up to the same kind of levels in terms of progression that josh allen did when he had digs alongside him
1: it's a fantastic question um and it's somewhat of a complex answer but not really you know last year kyler murray and DeAndre hopkins didn't have an offseason together so the first time that they were really on the field was training camp. They had no preseason games, so you know. I guess the first time the the quote unquote bullets were flying was Week One. Well, it's kind of hard for two new guys to get on the same page right. when everything's for real, right? That's why teams have preseason games. Well, you look at this year. You haven't. You have more of an off season. They've been working a lot together. They, you know, they they kind of argue a little bit in practice. You know, when when they don't like something, they go to each other and explain why they don't like it. And mm-hmm. I think that's very healthy for for those two. So I think we're going to see a significant jump between just not just with Kyler Murray. I think he's going to make a huge jump between two, years two and three. But just Kyler and DeAndre, I think are, are going to make a huge jump as a duo, just because for the simple fact. That they have more time to work together and they're right. going to have more time to work out the kinks, to get on the same page, to gel. Every cliche you want to use in the book, they're going to be able to do that. You know, or they have been doing it this off season, and they will be doing it during training camp from the preseason. Now, I think a factor that a lot of people aren't really considering in the, in the relationship of those two is AJ Green. Because last year, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald is the first ballot Hall of Famer. Don't get me wrong. He just wasn't a factor last year. Mm. Right, so when teams were figuring out how to take DeAndre Hopkins out of games, there really wasn't a, a, a serious threat in the passing game that the Kyler Murray can turn to when when that was happening. AJ Green's going to go bonkers mm. because he's never once in his career had a number two receiver. He he's been a number that, right, one receiver, two receiver, so I really think that. I, I think that he's going to just—he's going to be that option for for Kyler Murray when when things don't go well or when things are covered with DeAndre Hopkins, which means him and DeAndre are going to have this great
0: rapport because teams have to pay attention to another another receiver. It's a great point. We were, we caught up recently with Jeff Legwold, and he was saying um, that if you look at the the impact of the return of Cortland Sutton to that Denver offense. It's the same kind of principle with Jerry Judy because Sutton went down for the season. and Jerry Judy as a rookie was suddenly dealing with the top corners and was in at the deep end. That's going to change again with Sutton getting that attention. Judy's going to benefit from that. So it's a, it's a win-win that Sutton back for that offense, Jerry Judy having different kinds of attention. It's a great point you're making here with aj green i hadn't considered that because everyone's saying well is aj green is he washed up has he got anything left in the tank well it depends on the role he's playing right and uh, and that certainly makes a lot of sense let's talk a bit of defense um i'm particularly interested in what you think of uh zayvon collins coming in and, and isaiah simmons as well with his first season because there's similar kinds of players right and so they're obviously shaping up uh, a defense around those those types of, of players. Then, I guess conversely, you've got JJ Watt coming in and charna Jones, of course, as well. But let's start with the younger players first. Simmons, his first year. How did you rate that? What did he make of his rookie year? He was learning on the fly, right? He was he was another one of these players
1: that really suffered with no no preseason. No, and, you know you look at what happened in week one last season with, with, with Isaiah Simmons they're at San Francisco and he gets you know I think was, I forgot which, which part of the game but Raheem Monster goes out into the flat catches a pass and he crosses up Simmons and just goes goes like 75 yards for a touchdown mm-hmm. I think that was the moment where we were kind of like this is going to be a long season for Isaiah Simmons because he didn't really have the opportunity to to, to see what NFL football is like at a real level, you know, he went from training camp, which right. is half speed, three quarters speed. No one's going to touch you, no preseason, so he's not going to see what NFL speed is like at any level. So he's getting thrown into the fire week one, and we saw him really, you know, he struggled early on. Let's be let's let's be honest with you. You know, he, he struggled until he made an interception against. Seattle at home in, 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 in overtime. Mm. And then you saw him kind of figure it out, right? Mm. He's a very talented man. He's a very athletic young man. He gets it, but it took him a little while to get what he was doing, and I think it didn't help that they were—they had him at inside linebacker, they had him at safety, they rushed him off the edge. They I was going to
0: ask you that, yeah, because because everyone when he came out and I, 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 we were doing that draft live uh, on on radio over here, and everyone was saying the great thing about this guy is his versatility. He's been played in eleven different positions, whatever it is in co- in college. But at the time, I thought, mm, okay, obviously that's testament to the athlete that he is and, the, and the, the brain that he must have to be able to adapt. But is that going to be an issue? We see this a lot in, in European in football, in soccer, right? That you see certain players who their careers are stunted to a degree or certainly affected because they're so versatile. They get moved around so much. They can't really get into a slipstream in any one particular spot. So so do you think that has happened a little bit with Simmons? Oh, 100%. 100%. Mm. You know, I think with... Especially last year because
1: of the pandemics, you know the off season was so limited. I think what the Cardinals should have done was say, "You're going to play one position until you get your feet under you, and mm. then we'll figure it out from there." Right. Because I think too soon he was going from inside linebacker to safety to you know doing all these things. It's like, what are you doing to this kid? You're gonna, you know, I don't care how smart he is. NFL football is so different than college football. Mm. Like you're 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 gonna make the kid's head swim and it's interesting to me you know watching the franchise for the last nine years eight years whatever it is they did this and it wasn't cliff kingsbury's uh staff but the cardinals of the franchise did this with um Tom reddick he mm. came in as an edge rusher off the off the you know an edge rusher out of college and they and you know bruce arians moved him around steve Wilks moved him around kingsbury again moved him around early on until the finally at the end of the 2019 season they're like, oh, he's a pretty good edge rusher. Well, no kidding, he <laughs> right. dominated in college off the edge, right? Right. So, same thing with Simmons. It's like, why weren't you let him get his legs under him with one job, and then you know slowly add everything on as the season progresses? Mm-hmm. And we saw him obviously kind of coming to himself at the end of the season. But you know, you mentioned David Collins, mm-hmm. so the one thing I think is going to be interesting about this year is obviously Isaiah Simmons will be one of the Cardinals two starting inside linebackers. Mm. The other one is David Collins, Arizona's first round pick, you know, so, so having one combined year, but NFL experience between those two, I mean, to me, it's a major risk because, you know, the Cardinals are putting so much responsibility on David Collins to, you know, he's going to run the defense. He's starting as, as, you know, as a day one rookie, he's going to be given the green dot, which means he's going to be calling the defense. He's, he's the quarterback of the defense and you're doing I don't care how smart you are. We saw last year with Isaiah Simmons how long it took to get his legs under him. Now you're putting even more responsibility on a rookie. It's just – it's a major risk. And the Cardinals mm. understand, the coaching staff has told us throughout the offseason that they expect ups and downs, right? They expect bumps in the road. But but it, what if Zayvon Collins costs you a game or two in September? That might matter in December, right? Mm. So I just think it's an unnecessary risk. They have Jordan Hicks on the roster. He's a veteran. He's run this defense for a couple of years. He's durable. To me, if I'm if I'm the Cardinals coaching staff, I'm saying let Jordan Hicks play, let Zavan learn, and maybe you slowly phase out Jordan. If you really don't want him part of the equation, you want Zavan to be the guy, phase him out as the season goes. But to do this day one, it is to me a major, major liability. And I think it could cost the Cardinals a playoff spot. To be frank
0: with you, wow! I can understand the logic as to why. When, as we said earlier on, this is and it's you're not exactly a, a, an illuminating or hot take, but it is one of the toughest divisions in football. So you're absolutely right yeah. that one or two games could be the difference. When you know you're looking at the the competition. Okay, so that's a risk. What's JJ Watt and the acquisition of JJ Watt? It's a...
1: Low risk, high reward signing, right? You you already have Chandler Jones opposite him, who we know if he gets going, he's a 1920 sack guy. I think with JJ Watt, we just don't know what he has left. And we don't know what he's going to bring. You know, I think if he's at the top of at the top of his game, if he's peak JJ Watt, you know, he's what, 30, 31, I I think we're gonna see the defense is going to flourish. And I've written about this before, and I truly still believe it that if JJ Watt gets going, offensive lines and offensive coordinators are going to be—they're going to lose sleep over this because who do you defend? <laughs> sure. Who do you double team? Do you double team JJ Watt or do you double team Chandler Jones? Mm. Right? I mean, it's—it's it's kind of a nightmare situation for 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 outside the tackles. Like, what are you going to do? Right? Um, but the problem is, what if JJ Watt's not—not not that player? Mm. He falls back on Chandler's and we're back to of last year when teams are double, doubling in chip, closing him, him out, tripling him once in a while. Yeah, exactly. So um, you know, it's 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 the risk is low because you know if you bring if he doesn't do well, okay, you know he's at the end of his career, that's fine. And if he does great, the reward is incredible. I mm. think he's going to be a great locker player. I think mm. it's kind of one of the major reasons why they brought him in because they didn't bring back Corey Peters, who was a fantastic locker room. Um, he was a pillar of the locker room, fantastic locker room guy. You don't have Larry Fitzgerald who was kind of the epitome of a locker room guy. So they needed that presence there and he's going to help bring it. Um, but, you know,
0: I think that, I think if JJ Watts healthy, I think if he gets going, we can see 10, 15 sacks out of him. Well, we love, we would love that. Yeah, exactly. Healthy is the operative thing because his durability is, is, is really been the question. We would mm-hmm. love to see that. And uh, it will, I guess paper over the, the cracks elsewhere in the defense because outside of the inside linebacker, um, concerns you have in terms of a lack of experience and green a little bit green uh and maybe not street smart enough to deal with that part of an opposing offense what about the secondary and in particular the corner depth because this is something we know is increasingly significant in the nfl not just having a decent tag team at corner, but a, a decent collection of corners when you need to pay nickel a lot and, 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 and maybe more. Is that the weakest link of this Arizona roster, do you think?
1: Hmm, that's a great question. I don't think it's the weakest link of the entire roster. I think it's among the three weakest links. I think tight end is the weakest link right now. Right. I think cornerback is going to be fascinating. And here's why. You have Malcolm Butler at a one-year deal, experienced, well-known veteran. He'll do his job. He'll be very good. You have Byron Murphy who the Cardinals drafted in the second round a couple of years ago, more of an inside guy, but then what do you do with that other outside position? You know, you have Robert Alford who was back on, on a one-year deal after getting cut last year, but the guy was signed before the 19th season and hasn't played it down because of two season ending injuries, mm. injuries during training camp. Mm. So you really have no idea what he's going to have and what he's going to bring because he hasn't played since 2018. So, do they add a cornerback during training camp or after cuts? I think so. I think that's mm-hmm. going to be the one position. You might even see this be the late July signing, you know, in the next couple of days. I, I think that that's going to be the one position that they have to address, um, but they also need to address it long-term. And, and they, they drafted a couple of guys, Marco Wilson out of Florida, Tay Gowan out of UCF. I think Marco Wilson um, is more of a, a ready now type of guy. He can get in and get some some good snaps, you know, playing in the SEC here here in the States. It's kind of like basically playing in like you know, a minor league of the NFL um, yeah. and then, you know, take down, he needs to develop a little bit. So I can see him growing um, in the next couple of years, but they do need to get some guys. You know, I think that um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with, with, with Murphy. Like do they move him outside and let him kind of figure that out again if needed, or do they just, you know, commit to keeping him inside and figuring mm-hmm. out that other outside role.
0: So, bringing all that together, then Josh, you mentioned an interestingly tight end. He thinks the weakest position on on the roster. What did you make of the Zayvon Collins pick? Was that the right call, given the other areas they needed to address? And and I guess a follow up on that is how did that pick go down with the the Arizona faithful, the fan base, were they a bit nonplussed with it? Talk us through whether you think that was an easy to say, right? And we'll know in a few years, whether it was will turn out to be the right pick, but did it seem to be a curious selection going with him in, in Ram one? You're hitting all the hot button topics today. Um,
1: <laughs> here's, here's, here's my take on that. You hire an offensive minded head coach, right? You want him to bring this offense to levels. They haven't seen since 15 with Carson Palmer and then to roll with, Kurt Warner, and yet your two your last first round draft picks are defensive players. Right, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, if if I'm Steve Kine and you're committed to Cliff Kingsbury right now, you go and give him the best pieces available. You either trade up to go get a star receiver or take someone, take a first round pick, take an offensive player in the first round. I just, I've been a little bit baffled, right? I'll be honest. Like, you didn't need Isaiah Simmons, you didn't need David Collins. And you know, I think sometimes they play the best player available card yeah. way too too strong, you know, and they stick to their board a little too much. And Steve Pine hasn't had a lot of success drafting. So I think the last mm. couple of years they should have gone offense. Like, it, like I don't know. I guess it's just, it is like I said, it's baffling to me that you have this offensive minded head coach and you're not going to give him the right the right tools, the best tools to win with. Like, mm. you you're, you're instead you go in and you get. 30, 31 year thirty-one-year-old AJ Green, mm. which is fine, but why don't you go get a 20, 20 21, 22 year old version of AJ Green now? Right. Like right. it's very it, it it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I think at first people were kind of like, Who's Daven Collins? Like literally, like on my Twitter, <laughs> sure, people were like, sure. Who is this guy? You know, he yeah. went to Tulsa, which is not a big school here in the States. Like he, he just wasn't the big name. Like there are a lot of mock drafts that didn't even have him in the first round. Yeah. And yet the Cardinals got him, which I think to me is kind of like if i'm not saying mock drafts are like the end-all be-all but my motto one of my models, is like when there's smoke there's fire mm. so if, they, if this guy's not going a lot of these mock drafts it's to a lot of these top people they cut Obi. Like, yeah exactly so um people are questioning it you know people were curious i think that like you said we're not going to know if the next couple of years if it was a legitimate pick i think same with isaiah simmons like we don't know he played fine into the, the season but like if he doesn't play well this year are we going to see another First round bust by Steve Keim, perhaps, um, but yeah, I think this comes back to I just don't understand why they didn't give Cliff Kingsbury all the tools that they could that you know that were at their that at their at their to yeah. to make him win. But this is a trend with this franchise. You mm. saw it with Steve Wilkes back in 2018; they didn't give him the defensive personnel to run his scheme. And they, he went 3-13 was ousted after one year. So yeah. it seems like they, the front office does what they want to do and they make the coaching staff adapt, which doesn't seem like uh, the right recipe to win a Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, it doesn't it Does often end well that way, does it? Well, speaking of which, let's wrap up with a sense of uh, where this season is going to go if we, we bring all these points together. Sounds like there's a huge amount at stake for for Kingsbury, potentially for Kyler as well. Huge amount of upside. You're selling the upside well, I've got to say, Josh. But are they going to fulfill that potential? Where do the cards land this year? Are they going to sneak in the playoffs? Are they going to get better than that and surprise a lot of people and uh, and roll into the playoffs? What do you think?
1: Well, you said this a couple of times. The NFC West is, I think, without a doubt, the toughest division in football. You know, yeah. four very good. Some of them are great quarterbacks. A lot of good defenses. It's going to be real tough to win this division. You know, I think the Rams with Matthew Stafford and and Sean McVay, I think they're just going to go straight Mm. to the moon. Um, I think, and I've had this debate a couple of times with people, other people at ESPN. I think that the Cardinals are the second best offense in the division. I think that Kyla Murray is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think the Cardinals have better uh, skill players than the Niners. I think that Russell Wilson can't be counted out. So, you know, to me, it's going to be a dogfight for, for number two. I think the Cardinals could sneak in with that seventh playoff seed, which is what they were fighting for last year. You know, I, I don't know if I see 12 wins in their future. I hmm. maybe, I think we're looking at the nine, 10 wins. I'm not going to be surprised if they go eight and eight. I'm not going to be surprised if they go 11 and in. in six or 17 games this year um yeah so i'm still struggling I, I with that as well that,
0: all the time yeah it's weird you you picked it up well. yeah
1: <laughs> yeah so you know so i guess i mean let me adjust that so with 17 games we're looking at 9 10 11 wins you know 11 yeah. and 6 not yeah. gonna surprise me um i don't see them going 12 13 14 15 16 17 wins mm. um but you know i think i think they could sneak in with that seventh seed i just you know but I'm going to couch it. I'm hundred percent going to couch it. Mm. I'm not going to be surprised if this team gets on a roll and starts like six and one, you know, like right. I think that there's, there's that potential there, but I think that realistically, I think we're looking at a nine, 10, 11 win, win team that may maybe get in to the playoffs at seven seed.
0: So I guess it is with the 17, I'm still trying to get my head around the new maths as well, but with the 17 week season, 17 game season, uh, 11 is the new 10 right so if we're kind of if the benchmark most of the time if you were 10 and 6 you're probably unless you're really unlucky you're probably going to get in that's 11 now right so it's going to shift up so yeah i mean 11 I think, wins yeah. in this division it's a tall order it's Certainly, gonna be hard we said before teams that end strongly even if they've had a you know end up with an 8-8 eight and eight record or whatever the equivalent of that is no more 8-8 eight eight. i mean that, somewhere jeff fisher is going to be shaking his head ruefully at that but the um all right, season, a different season, but you end strongly. Everybody's excited about you. And as we said, conversely, if it ends all a little bit flat and we're a bit worried, what if this season is a little bit like that, insofar as it's a winning record, some big performances, they hold a little bit firmer through the course of this season, but they miss out? Is that going to be enough for Kingsbury? Are they going to look at it and think, all right, he was 10 and 7, 11 and 6, in the toughest division of football we will give them another dance.
1: It's going to, I think it's going to depend on how they lose those games. If they're losing them on some freak play or by a game winning field goal, maybe they say we'll do one more year. If they're getting blown up by the Rams 34, seven again, Mm. I just don't see it. I think that Michael is finally going to say I've had enough. Um, If there's major injuries, I think he's back for another year, but if they're, you know, if if they're not competitive, Every single game, you know, I, and I think in the NFL, like you're going to lose competitive games. There's no doubt about it. Like you're not going to lose all of them, but you're certainly not going to win all of them either. Um, you know, I, I think if they're if they're in it and they're winning some that they shouldn't win, I think that's going to be, that's going to help them. But they cannot lose the games that they should win. I think that's what, that's what hurt them last year. And they are, they win all the games they should win and win some of the games they should lose. Then I think they could potentially see Clipkins very bad. In twenty twenty two.
0: All right then. Well, they uh one of the teams we're deep diving on because I think they are amongst the most intriguing franchises in the NFL right now. And you've definitely uh underpinned that theory, that narrative, uh, because I am really fascinated to see both sides of the ball, the Cardinals on both sides of the ball after getting uh that kind of intel and insight. Josh, great work, really, really appreciate you dropping by. Enjoy the rest of Shits Creek because it sounds like you've got you. another season to go. And they did well with it. They ended, they went out on a high, right? Like we're talking about ending strongly. Shits Creek, That is like they ran the four games in a row at the end of the season. Everybody we left them wanting more. So uh, you've got a lot more uh, fun and, and strong episodes to look forward to there. So enjoy that and, and look after yourself. Check in with us soon.
1: Will do. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks, Josh. Lovely stuff from Josh. Uh, Follow him on Twitter at Josh Weinfuss. W-E-I-N-F-U-S-S for all your Cardinals, Intel, and obviously some good American comedy chat as well. And what's not to love about that? Two of my favorite things in the world. Uh, Great stuff from Josh. Another franchise focus in the bag. We're going to do more of those. We're going to keep on rolling them. We might drop an edge rush soon as well. I think we'll get a college days coming your way very soon as well. Getting excited gang because we are what two months away from the start of the season or thereabouts and there is so much ground to cover so we're going to get you set we're going to have previews we're going to tell you divisions teams players to watch those to discount everything in between all of that coming your way as we build up to the 2021 season so stay with us it is good to have had you with us today at the nc show facebook instagram twitter is where you follow us on social for video from the pods Lots of extra stuff as well. Uh, good chat going on there. So, shout out to Marley, Tom, and the gang over on Twitter. Saluting Andy as well. Can't forget him. And indeed, Ollie, our producer, too. Hey, it's a loving. How about that? Chits Creek chats put me in a good mood. What can I say? We're back next week with more. We'll see you then.
1: Fellow baseball nuts, join us on the Johnny and Josh show with my baseball brothers,
0: where JC will. Endeavor to offer some insightful analysis, and my friend Eric Jansen will...
1: Offer quirky baseball trivia, but we also have David Langell, who
0: will... Combine a high level of inappropriateness with a low level of analysis.
1: The Johnny and Josh Show, available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.